0: you're not just important when you're recruited. You're not just important if you're on the exec board. Every individual general member that fills the minutia of the chapter, that is just as important as those new guys.
1: You're listening to the Teak Nation podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Teak Nation podcast. My name is Donnie Aldrich and honored to have a special guest with us here today to talk about new member education. We have the Director of Fraternal Growth, Frauder Zach Scott. Zach, welcome to the Teak Nation podcast.
0: Thank you very much. It's an honor to be be on the podcast.
1: We're excited to have you, your passion, your energy, your love for bringing members into the fraternity, part of your role currently in working with the fraternity and traveling Around is to help groups to grow and to help groups to shift their culture and even their thought process. On we've always had 12 guys, or we've always had 20 guys, or maybe we've always had four guys, and to change that level of thinking and to push the limits. But also for them to think about if they create a better culture, if they create a better, in this case, new member education process, Mm -hmm. how that can shift what expectations can be in the future, how that could shift what results they can get, how that can completely shift the experience of the fraternity because the gift of allowing membership, there's nothing like it. And I know you believe that as well, but can you talk as we get going here into new member education, how passionate you are about recruitment and how passionate you are about this discussion around new member education and what critical role it can play in a chapter's long-term success?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I was a collegiate member, I was a part of a colony. I mean, it started the year before I joined the fraternity. And ever since then, I became recruitment chairman. It became an opportunity to build something that I could see evolve before my own eyes. And by the time I had graduated, we had grown from, there were 13 members that I had joined into, nine men in my, my new member group. And by the end of it, it had grown to around 50, 60. The semester after I graduated, they won a Top Teak chapter award. They were around 60 to 70. Now the chapter has just recruited 30 plus men. They are now at 90, I believe, or 89 members and looking to break into the three digits for the first time of any fraternity on campus. And that whole experience from 2011, 2012 till now is, I think it's, enabled my own experience to continue to grow and has made me even more passionate about the fraternity itself growing because I've had such a successful experience myself and seen the men that I recruited be able to have such a positive impact on people that I get even more fired up because then I can share a story that is very familiar to me to other groups. One of my first staff visits was with Timothy O'Neill and we went into Auburn University. That group started at one man. We had some some going ons with the alumni that really kind of It started off very slow, and it burns over time, and that was three years ago now. Just got done visiting with them a week ago, and it was crazy to see that they're now at 70 men. Their goal is to get to 120 by next fall, hopefully, and what that time can do, right? An entire member's college experience, it went from one member, five members, ten members, to now potentially triple digits. And those are the kinds of successes that get me fired up. And the opportunity to do that at any campus, it's not just the big state schools where it's possible. It's not just the smaller intermediate campuses of five to 10,000. It's any campus. If you have the drive to be successful, you can make it happen. And I think anybody can plug themselves into that.
1: Well, I'm excited for a future podcast for those who are listening on recruitment. Nick Kimball and I did one, but you and I can go mono eat mono on recruitment passion, and I can't wait to chop it up on that. But for today's episode, I want to talk about new member education with you because mm-hmm. for many of our groups that are in that process in the fall, or they're thinking about spring recruitment. So if you're listening to this podcast and it's April, you're now getting into that process for the spring semester. Maybe you're listening to this over Christmas break, which... Happy to hear from you and Merry Christmas to you. But they're getting ready to go into that process. And, And there are some critical steps, some critical things that our groups need to think about when it comes to new member education and setting the tone and how they go through that process. What are some tips that you have as groups prepare for the new member education process?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest piece that stands out to me because of this growth role is we hear the recruitment buzzword thrown around constantly but what are we doing to retain the men that we recruit? And I think that's the biggest part of new member education for me is how are we retaining them and delivering on our promises? How are we developing these men to not just be prepared for the college atmosphere, for the fraternity life, but how are we preparing them for the rest of their lives? And I think teaching recruitment, teaching professionalism, teaching all these things, that's where we develop them within however long that is, if it's four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever that looks like. I think that is what is key is... How do we prepare them? So you spoke on professional development
1: and also recruitment skills. What are other critical areas that are hegemon or if many times there's a hegemon committee, right, Mm -hmm. that is involved in new member education? What are other topic areas they need to ensure they're focused upon?
0: I think the biggest one to me is probably fighting through apathy and preparing the men. When I was down at Auburn, this one is fresh on my mind because I was just there. When I was there, I met with all the new members and an hour before we had met with the executive board and they were talking about that, right? They've been kind of figuring this all out the last couple of years and now they're starting to dig into their members that aren't coming around as more, right? We were fortunate to have everyone bought in for recruitment, but maybe next year, right? Maybe those juniors become seniors. What is that going to look like? And what is the biggest thing that you've seen on the road from other groups? And I think preparing the young men for apathy early on, right, of like, How do we keep everyone involved? How do we continue to deliver on those promises that we've made either during those first four weeks of recruitment, those first four weeks of new member education, and continue every semester to build on that? Because you're not just important when you're recruited. You're not just important if you're on the exec board. Every individual general member that fills the minutia of the chapter, that is just as important as those new guys, just as important as the pretness who's leading the group. We need to find ways to combat that apathy. Makes sense. Can you touch upon any
1: items that we should avoid? What are common areas that you see folks get off
0: track with? I think something that I've seen some other groups over the last two years of myself being on staff is the desire to want to be this top-tier fraternity. I think that a lot of groups get caught up, especially after around the three-, four-year mark, right? With newly chartered groups, you see this, all right, we've chartered, now what? And it's that next year and a half that kind of make or breaks that group. We also see it with groups that go through this rebuild process or potentially a new membership review, whatever it may be, fighting through the desire to want to be the top tier, right? What does that exactly mean? I think that's the first part of that is how do we define that? It's not the group that is just partying constantly, right? It's the group that is performing on all ends of each of the spectrums. How are we doing philanthropically? How are we performing academically? How are we recruiting? How are we retaining All of these other pieces, of course, we're a social fraternity and that is a part of it, but do not get focused on just this one piece. At the end of the day, those are the groups that we see close their doors because that's all they focus on. They aren't worried about the men that they're recruiting and bringing in the right types of people that will keep individuals safe. They tend to want those guys because they see them as a buddy-buddy, right? You could still be friends with those people, but perhaps not friends with them in your organization because that is not exactly going to lead to us focusing on the rest of those issues.
1: What I'm hearing is it's healthy to want to be a top-tier organization. It's important to to analyze and to define what that means. And a phrase that we use many times in, in this building is playing fraternity versus being a fraternity. Too many times groups want to play fraternity, which is to do the things that you're talking about and fall into some of the pitfalls and stub their toe in trying to just be the biggest social <laughs> group on campus versus all the other layers that can lead to success. And the social aspect is no doubt a part of it, but it should not be the leading indicator. It should be a part of the repertoire that you have in being being a chapter, being a colony.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a social fraternity. You tell us this every day when we're in the GCMC, but how can we be socially responsible?
1: Another area that I have seen groups get into trouble is the thought process of having to memorize everything during new member recruitment. I was recently working with a chapter, visiting a chapter, and talked about when it comes to the Declaration of Principles, too many groups try to memorize a paragraph or memorize part of the Declaration of Principles. Let's take that analogy, let's take that aspect and move that into the rest of our lives. If someone walked up to you, Zach, and said, recite the Declaration of Independence. I think I'd be in trouble. I'm (laughs) guessing you would be in trouble, right? You wouldn't say, well, you're not an American. You don't know the Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution. The thought process that we need to memorize these historical documents is is outlandish to me. What we need to do, just like with the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, is to understand the meaning behind them. Understand when our principles, when our founders created these documents, what were the principles that went into them, and ensuring that we celebrate that, making sure that we live that day to day. That's another aspect that I know I have seen. Are there any other pieces through new education, either through your travels or even that you have seen groups reach out to you? even maybe you've lived through, that you've seen that our groups can avoid?
0: Yeah, I think one of the big ones that, as you were talking, I started to think about is this idea of forcing new members to hang out with other brothers to get to know them, and then there being this sort of, oh, you need to do something for me in order to get my signature, potentially. You or, need to prove yourself. Exactly, right? And that might it might be as simple as make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or it can be as as dumb as go buy me beer, right? Well, this new member likely is underage, so how does that even work into it? I think that is one of the, the pieces that really stands out to me is why are we doing this? What's the purpose behind it? How is that educational? These guys should want to hang out with each other. And likely the new members want to hang out with the older members. I can't think of a time that I've met a new member where he wasn't excited to get to know his brothers. That is one part that I've never fully understood because even as a fifth year senior, I always prided myself on, on getting involved and getting to know every new members to the point where guys were coming to me the last week of education saying, I think I kind of want to drop this. I don't know. And we sat for hours just talking about why are you into this? Like what, what was it that brought you in? Right. I remember obviously we had all the recruitment events. We got to know each other. I've gotten to know you over the last eight weeks, six weeks, and you've made an impression on me that I don't want to lose you. But if this isn't where you think it's going, talk to me about that. How can we return that investment for you? And I did this with two men that I uh, am still friends with today for my own chapter and every day, I'm, I'm thankful that I sat down with them and gave them the time, right? I didn't go to bed till maybe two or three in the morning, but we just sat in the middle of our courtyard and just had it out of, this is where I think you can make an impact. This is what I, I want to see out of you. And there was no okay, now you do this for me. We just had this, this hour long conversation. Okay, now do this for me because you're still a new member. No, this was brother to brother type of conversation, right? I, In my mind, once you've accepted that bid, you are a member of my chapter. You are just as worthy of my time and just as worthy of my conversation and insights as the guy that I've known for three years that i maybe brought into the chapter or the guy that I, I went through new member education with. And that's something that I've never understood is this forcing someone to hang out with you and then I need something. Yeah, it's completely
1: twisted if you think about it. The new member is the one who walks in and doesn't know anyone. I understand mm-hmm. the thought process of we want these new members to come in and show initiative and show passion for Teak and that they care. I'm guessing by the fact that they join, that's a that's a great start. Mm-hmm. And we can work through... The conversations that happen or if they want to be involved in leadership roles or their attendance in in philanthropy events or other events on campus to support the group, maybe coming to intramural game and cheering on the team, right? Mm -hmm. Those are other ways that you can show initiative, but it is the the older member who's comfortable in himself, comfortable in his own skin, who's going to – it's going to be much easier for him to go and have those conversations with a new member and acclimate, introduce himself, have those conversations – than this new person who's already transitioning to college, already mm-hmm. transitioning to a new living environment. All, right, all these pieces, part of what we sell is, hey, we're going to help you transition. We're gonna, this is going to be a family, something that you can really grow in. The first thing a lot of our groups do is then right, push them aside. It's mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do and say, well, yeah, you need to go meet these new guys. You need to go do this and do that. The fact that you have offered them an opportunity to join your organization should be enough that you feel good mm-hmm. that, that they have earned the right To be a part of your group. Once again, let's take this out of the fraternity environment into the real world. If we hired you, Zach, Mm -hmm. as we did to work for the fraternity, and the first thing we said is, Well, Zach, good luck to you. Uh, You probably want to walk around and meet some people, and we hope that that goes well and come back and talk to us later, Mm -hmm. right? That that wouldn't be setting you up for success. It wouldn't be putting you in a position where you got excited to come to work here every day. You would be probably very nervous about how am I going to build these relationships? How am I going to learn what my job is? How am I going to. I'm not even going to learn how to log into my computer, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you better go build a relationship with the IT guy, right? That's not functional, and too many times we operate in a fraternity bubble and don't think about how it works in every other aspect of the world Mm -hmm. and how we need to be duplicating those processes so that we can be successful. I appreciate you you bringing that one up. We've talked some philosophy here now about Mm -hmm. the new member education process. Let's talk about some of the operational dynamics. As you have worked with hegemons, what are traits you have seen in their process? What are actual pieces, uh, if you want to share, what are tactics that you have seen in in working with strong hegemons?
0: Yeah, I think one of the big things is the charisma. Just as as a recruitment chairman needs to be charismatic, I think the hegemon needs to be charismatic. I think too many times you, at least the old adage of who's the most intimidating individual, right? We want him to be our priorities. we want him to be our hegemon because we want these guys to be scared why what is what explain to me how that is beneficial right if these guys are supposed to trust themselves to this individual they're this is supposed to be the person who outside the recruitment chairman they're going to probably have the strongest relationship in the entire fraternity maybe a big brother that develops over time but the hegemon is the guy who's spending all of the time with them i think the charisma is a big part of it and i think the willingness to love these guys and want to be their brother right because of the hegemon in my experiences You don't take a little brother, right? These are all your little brothers to put it in into one field of vision. How is that individual going to make a positive impact and be a role model for them? We can't have guys who are extremely intimidating, right? That doesn't mean that intimidating guy can't be the ROTC guy can't be or the veteran can't be the hegemon, but they certainly have valuable experiences. But how are we going to find that individual who cares and loves these guys just as much as their family does? and brings them into that environment because that's how you're going to get these guys to stick around, going to get these guys to listen to you because you have a story to tell, right? Gather around the campfire boys. I have, I have some, some wisdom to drop on you. How are we doing that? I think one of the, the really cool visits that I did actually with one of our members of staff who's new TJ, we went to Tennessee tech together. We sat down with the entire chapters, the new members that they had just brought in and they were continuing to recruit their hegemon, their exec board, their general members and we just chatted. I think one of the most chatty guys was the Hegemon himself, and by the end of that visit, he was just rethinking a lot of these things, and he was like, man, you guys have given me some information to to think about, but also have affirmed a lot of the things that I pushed back on as Hegemon in my last six months, and a lot of these pushbacks were on traditions that he had heard, traditions that where Okay, you got to do this because this is just what we've always done. And he pushed back on a lot of it to make it more educational, to be more informational. And I think that you've already seen that they've clearly made a product worth selling. They've doubled their chapter size nearly. They have had more recruits this year than they have in the last couple of years, I think added up potentially. And it's it's really showing because of the, the genuine men that they have, the product worth joining, the product worth selling. And I think that charisma in itself of someone who's willing to push back, who's willing to, to change the mold in a positive way, those are the types of men that we need in that role specifically. Because, again, it's that role model, that positive image that these guys are going to associate with Teak for the first semester of their lives in college, or the, at least their first semesters within the fraternity.
1: The Hagemon has to be a master communicator. Mm-hmm. He, he plays that, that crucial role between the new members—he spends more time with them than anyone—and the rest of the officers— and the general membership. A great hegemon has the ability to talk about. Here's Garrett. Let me talk to you guys about Garrett and do a profile on him. Here's Joe. Let's talk about Joe. He can bring to life these people that they just joined, and unfortunately, most of the general members, maybe they've not invested that time yet, or maybe they're nervous to invest that time. Mm-hmm. They can start to tie in. You know, Joe is he's in the engineering program, and we have these three guys who are in the engineering program. You, you three, it would be great if you spent some time with Joe. Make him feel welcome to the chapter. Talk to him about his class load. See if there's professors that, that you had that that piece, he can be the one to essentially mm-hmm. set up all these discussions, almost speed dating set up all <laughs> these discussions where people can get more comfortable and, and to your point, they're going to feel more invested and it's going to help with that longevity piece mm-hmm. of being invested in the fraternity long term and for that that junior or senior member, now he's got another reason to be invested in the fraternity, right? Yep. He's got another reason to say, I want to stick with being a member of this chapter versus, you know, I went through the new member ed program. I went through some social events. Now I'm busy with these future job opportunities. I'm future uh, – my academics, and so maybe I don't have as much time for this. Here's a reason to have time for this. Here's mm-hmm. another value piece. Yes, you're doing some mentoring. How can we create other mentoring opportunities on the back end to get to get our alumni members engaged working with that junior or senior so it can – it can cut both ways. I know that's for another podcast, but yeah. it is it is valuable that that person can play a role in that new member and keeping him involved and engaged and making him feel value, right? Because to your point, recruiting him is one. Retaining and initiating is a whole nother monster that we got to make sure we're we're keeping our eye upon.
0: One of the things that, that made me think of is the members who are older staying involved, right? The the one thing I do is be a little selfish when it comes to this of my reasoning as, a, as an older member was, I wanted there to be people that could tell my story for me who were younger than me. So that way, when I came back two, three years later, people at least knew of me. And I think I love hearing guys who are in their senior year, their fifth year, their junior year, who stay actively engaged with men of, Oh man. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Like I can come back now because I've made the, I've formed these relationships now investing in myself, investing in them. So I come back alumni homecoming weekend, maybe in 2023 and there are guys who still know of me. So that way it's even that much easier of like, oh, you know, so-and-so, oh, I'm actually a part of your family tree, this and that. Have these conversations and pick up right where you left off. I think be a little selfish when it comes to that. And I think that's just another reason to continue to build those relationships invest in yourself.
1: So you're working towards legend status.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was, right. I hadn't been back to my chapter in a year and fortunately was able to work with them on growth and going back to some of these guys and they're like, oh yeah, Z Scott, I've heard of you. And, and, and obviously all in positive ways because you leave that legacy behind of we want this greatness, right? I never could have imagined where it'd be now, but it's amazing to see the people that are now taking over this positive way of like, it's never changed. The, the root of what we started years ago is still there. And these people have legacies that people remember. It's amazing. People they've never met. Some of our founding members, that 13 guys, they have heard about them, but maybe have never met them. And when they do, it's this glorious thing.
1: Well, and I, that leads to a, another aspect of the new member education process that is, is again... Vital, And that is sharing the chapter culture. And what you are talking about is an energy and a passion towards greatness and towards excellence and how we operate. Too many times, again, it can get into historical pieces, trying to memorize Joe's scroll number or Z mm-hmm. Scott's scroll number, which respectfully isn't important. Yeah, uh, That's why we have roles here at the offices of the Grand Chapter. It's another phenomenal resource that we provide to all of you. We Absolutely. can tell you what the scroll numbers of all of your members are. If you really need to know them, you don't need to memorize them. But it is a great opportunity to learn during the new member process what is our chapter culture? What are the things that we want to do? What are our goals? What what have we done in the past, and what can we do in the future? Because that past can do one of two things. It can inspire you, and it can motivate you if it's not as strong as what you want. Mm Because you can always write. That's the great thing about our organization at the collegiate level. Mm -hmm. You can change it in the snap of a finger with one new member class. If those guys come in motivated, excited – and they can really shift and move things, and, and especially if it's not where you want it to be. Many times those junior and senior members, they don't even want to be a part of the leadership team anymore, right? They, they've obviously put it in this place. Mm-hmm. They want to step aside and just focus on other aspects. So those young leaders can come in and say, great, cool. I'll, I'll take the baton. I'll run with it. And so how that hegemon defines, highlights, showcases our culture and the aspects that have gotten us here and what are things we can do in the future, what you're talking about there at Tampa is something that every guy can play a major role in.
0: Absolutely. And I think one of the really cool things as well, you're talking about the chapter culture and exposing these guys to that early on, is how are we also showcasing that to the individuals maybe who went through recruitment or the allies and advocates of our organization? Are we bringing them into this stuff? When I met with the Texas A&M chapter, Paeda, earlier in the year, we talked about how there were some members, I guess a student had had passed away last year as a result of fraternity life. And fortunately, it wasn't our chapter there. Obviously, they wouldn't be open if that was the case. And we got into the idea of the, a lot of these students are pushing back on us because someone had died. How do we fight through this? And I said, well, let's be honest here. Are we doing anything that would deter people from joining in the result of hazing or any any type of new Are we putting
1: people in dangerous positions?
0: Yes, exactly. And the conversation was, if not, then yes, let's peel, peel back that curtain a little bit. And how can we showcase maybe bringing in some of these guys, right? Make, they do a, a system of multiple recruitments each semester. They do, I think, a total of four in the year. And when they do that second new member recruitment, I always tell the guys, what's the, the loss that we have here if we just let these guys come through and, and maybe see some of the new education going on themselves? So that way they see there's none of this hazing going on. There's none of this being forced to memorize these things or being forced to do these activities. If you are comfortable and you are doing the right things, there should be nothing wrong with letting these guys come to a new member education meeting and seeing what everyone's going to go through, what they potentially will go through of Here's a little bit about how you can be a better professional. Here's a little bit about how you can recruit men because that's not a skill that just does well for the fraternity. That's something you're going to need years down the road when you're in a job or looking for a job. And I think it's really cool to see that of how can we just retool and rethink some of these things, make that a part of our chapter culture, and then continue that that lifestyle because once you make it a part of it now, it continues to to innovate and, and grow, and it just becomes a part of your nature. It becomes that tradition. Say, after a
1: year or two, we've always done that, right? People yes. will tell you that you've always done that. There, there's some real gold in there, which mm-hmm. is that too many times we are not wanting to showcase and highlight what we do. If you are running a great new member education program, you should love to open that up mm-hmm. because we are going to attack the stereotypes, mm-hmm. is exactly what you're talking about. There's a stereotype that we were creating an environment fraternities in general not TK fraternities in general creating an environment that wasn't necessarily safe so showcase and highlight how safe the environment is showcase Mm -hmm. and highlight the value and impact you're making because I think another great theoretical piece that our group should be analyzing which is are you doing a good enough job in your new member education process that people could come and look at it and say, oh, that's, that's great. I want to be a part of that. You should, that that's a mm-hmm. recruiting tool, right? If you're doing it the right way is look how we're helping people, professional development skills or speaking skills, or obviously learning about the fraternity, traditions, the heritage of the organization, the mm-hmm. values, and how do you live them? And, and even talking about love, charity, and esteem, let's, let's, let's analyze love, charity, and esteem. What does that mean to you, new member Zach? Mm-hmm. And letting you talk about that and reflect on that, and then discussing what it means to our organization, how we define it, and how it plays a role in how we operate as an organization, how we treat other fraternities, how we're competitive with them, but respectful with them, how we interact with the university, how we carry ourselves as students, and then in the future, community leaders, right? Mm-hmm. All of that plays together and can be... It really, it can be a way for us to showcase, highlight, and motivate other people to want to be part of TKE or, to your piece, be allies and advocates, right? If you mm-hmm. have sorority women, let them come in and see part of that. It's another yeah. another reason to get engaged with them, but also to promote who we are and what we are. And maybe you can shift some minds that that folks see something, people believe what they see, not what they hear, mm-hmm. Let them let them see who you are and what you
0: are. Yeah, and I think another part of that chapter culture is something that when I w- did an expansion a couple of years ago at Rockhurst University, there were a few members who didn't meet the academic standard. And this is something that I preach to everyone in the growth groups of if there are guys that you maybe didn't extend a bid to now, or there are guys, if you're a deferred campus that you're looking to, to extend a bid to once they're eligible um, because they're freshmen and they need to meet a credit requirement, what are you doing to prevent the adage of, oh, his grades weren't good enough, so we can't take them? How are you making a positive impact on that individual and setting that cultural example of this is what we do. We bring these guys into our study hours. At Rockhurst, we established weekly study hours and we brought in the guys who were best friends with these individuals who maybe couldn't join right now. All of those, I think it was six men, they all joined that next fall because they all met the GPA requirement. And it was wonderful to see these guys are still engaged with the group. They're looking to charter this coming spring. How are we doing that at each campus? How are we creating this opportunity to showcase that academics is very important to us? You can talk about it, but how are you going to be about it and open that to not just Teak, but to everyone on campus? We just mentioned
1: a couple activities. Are there any other activities in your mind? You talk to Hegemons, you talk to chapters, and they are always interested in activities. What, what is another activity we can do to bring the group together or to bring the chapter together? Do you have any of those in mind that you have seen that have been successful?
0: I'm glad you asked that because I, I have a, a few that go back to my own experience but have evolved since I've been working with other groups, and they – it fights that apathy a little bit early on, right? Because again, that retention piece, how do you keep these new members engaged and involved? There was something that we learned, a quick tidbit, something that we learned over the summer from Fired Up at the Gross Summit was um, they, they look at all this data of high school students and currently are analyzing Gen Z, the sophomores, freshmen right now, and every group of incoming freshmen for the next 10, 15 years. And with college men or Generation Z men, four weeks, four weeks is the return on investment period, when a guy is told, oh, you're going to join this gym. We're going to see some gains here. They're looking for that, that result within four weeks. Now, that might be a little bit more uncontrollable at sometimes, right? you got to be very strict. But when they're joining other organizations and being sold these products. That's their expectation. Exactly. Four weeks is where you have that opportunity to close on that, that return on investment. How are we doing that? And something I always tell guys is how are you getting them engaged? What are our buzzwords? What are the, the promises that we are making these guys? Alumni interactions and networking is always brought up. Brotherhood. Social life is part of that, of how am I going to meet other women on campus or other men on campus, the opportunity to succeed academically. The things that I always push back on are, okay, you talked about the networking one. That's the one I'll throw out is how are we planning a resume building opportunity with our career services on campus, with our alumni who are engaged the chapter? How are we bringing those people and setting up a opportunity to tie in a little bit of the things that we do at RLC, a little bit of our campus life and a little bit of our alumni network to then create this opportunity for new members and active members to be able to take advantage of. And I think it's one of those things of get them to plan it, work with the HISTOR to work with the alumni association or the, the board on planning this, get them to establish connections with the university and the career services department. These are, these are, Uh, opportunities and connections that they're going to use, hopefully, if they do it right for the next two, three, four, five years or longer, especially with the, the alumni side. But the career services side, if you're looking for a job after you graduate, that's a very important part of utilizing the network that's available to you. And how do you establish that early on? I think getting the new members to plan events that are going to be positively based of, okay, we want to be more socially inclined. Let's plan a mixer with the sororities pledge class, right? Like we're a small chapter. We can manage that because a sorority pledge class might be the same size as our whole chapter. I think that's very doable. Planning a brotherhood event, right? Get them to work with the hypophetes to create a new connection, to work with all of the members and plan something they can all get invested in. But I think that alumni one is a big piece because we always hear networking when we're on the road. And how are we fulfilling that obligation of a fraternity for life? And I think that that piece of getting them involved early on from their freshman, sophomore, whatever that may be, their their experience as a new member, how are we doing that? And I think that's a big part of it, of getting them to plan an event, getting them to meet these people and getting them to build their career now.
1: I love it. Another one that
0: comes to mind,
1: and you touched on the career services, is going to the counseling services folks. And bringing in someone to talk about mental health, Mm. you you have once again these students who are transitioning from high school to college, new environments, new stresses, balancing, uh, not having many times their parents who Mm -hmm. maybe they've leaned on many for most of their life, majority of their life, and it's a new environment. And there's two things that can be done. Obviously, you're providing a valuable resource to your to new members to engage them in the fraternity, providing value. But additionally you are now showcasing and highlighting and bringing to life campus resources, whether it be with the, in this case, the counseling services before, as you were talking about with career services, there are all these different organizations on campus that if I'm a new student, it's going to be very challenging or awkward to me to want to go and walk into those offices and learn and meet these people and learn what they do. But if you bring them to me, and you put them in front of me and the entire group, right? it's much less intimidating. And now I'm comfortable if I need to go talk to someone in some of those areas or learn more about resume writing or learn more about networking events the college might hold with general alumni. You open up all these doors to people that, to your original point, provides value, provides resources, and it's a new way to look at what new member education should be. There's an aspect, no doubt, around the fraternity and the values and the principles, and we can talk about whether it's, breaking down the Declaration of Principles paragraph by paragraph and talking about it with the group and what did, what did our founders mean with this or analyzing the opportunity out of defeat and mm-hmm. how critical it was that we all could be Fidelts if we wouldn't have the opportunity out of defeat and the, the votes that were held after that and the decisions for the fraternity to get started and and the challenges that set the organization two world wars, all the things that we have overcome to be the Talk cap epsilon organization that we are today, those are the pieces that are good investments of time that aren't necessarily memorization pieces, but get you to reflect and think about what you're joining, the value of it, and also how you connect that to day-to-day being a part of campus.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, right, you join this campus because of what it can provide for you. You don't think about the fraternity. You, you join it to be a student at X university. And how are you fulfilling that obligation, right? You, once you join the fraternity, you don't just get lost in the fraternity, right? I want you to, to hopefully have the best experience possible. I want you to, to get lost in the, the idea of ah, I want to get involved. I want to give back all of these things. But don't forget that you are also a university student. How can you get engaged there? Because that's how the fraternity thrives, right, is getting out there, making a name for ourselves and making a name for the organization.
1: Are there any final tips you have on the new member education process or tips for, for a hegemon who's going to be leading that process?
0: Yeah, I think it's, again, harping on the continue to invest in these guys because at the end of the day, if you're not willing to spend the time to get to know them, I, I, I do this exercise where I, I have new members and then active members as well, and I always try and make sure the hegemon is present. I ask them what were the promises that were made, and then one of the big things that I've harped on that, again, I learned from Woody It Fired Up what are you looking to accomplish in the next 3 to 4 or 5 years of your time in college? And when they go through all this of oh I want to get a degree or oh I want to I want to go work for NASA or whatever it may be these big ideas or I want to work in the marketing office for the New York Nets or the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And these ideas of are you guys listening to what you're saying? Are you new members listening and how are you going to hold each other accountable? Are you active members listening? it's okay for goals to change, right? I understand that maybe what you're saying now is not realistic or is not something you're going to get to right away or it might even change to something else, but you need to let other people know. And I think the Hegemon's duty there is to ask these questions, know who the guys are that he's working with, get their big brothers and their, their active membership to listen to these stories of what their goals are, and then to hold those new members accountable, create the opportunity for the big brother to hold the new member accountable create all these opportunities to get to know them further and build these relationships. Because when you look back, in my experience every new member remembers the man who educated them, their hegemon. And you want that image to be something positive. You want that to be something of, I will never forget this man because he had such an impact on my life in such a great way. And it made me part of the man who I became through college, allowed me to become the man I am now. And that's what I would tell every hegemon is to find a way to make that positive impact. You won't even know it most of the time, But when you can go back and see these guys years from now and think about it, if there's a a former Hegemon listening right now, think about those guys, maybe reach out to them. But create that opportunity for yourself to succeed long-term in relationship building and create an opportunity for these guys to have the best experience that they can possibly have.
1: What advice would you give to Hegemon around motivation and inspiration?
0: I'm a strong proponent for positive reinforcement and positive pushback in a way that, how can we set goals for guys? If you want something done, right, what are the incentives that we can provide for these guys to to be able to accomplish the things that you need to be done, the things that you want them to succeed in? I'm, a, I'm not a fan of negative punishment in the sense of just doing it to do it. I think it's good to, to set goals for these guys that are attainable, some that are a little bit more unrealistic in the sense of you need to teach them failures early on in a, in a good way. I think finding ways to push back on guys, if you can fight through the excuses that individuals make for themselves of not achieving things, start that and teach these guys that early on. You'll learn a lot about yourself in that regard, but it'll prepare you for your own professional life moving forward. And it prepares these guys for the real world in the sense that not everything is going to go according to plan. And how can you push these guys to not just go for the easy way out, how to fight in the trenches to get things done? Because that's a skill that'll go a long way when it comes to recruitment of not giving up, setting a goal and not attaining it. How are we going to How are we gonna get after it? And teaching these guys that that's what the real world is. Things come at you fast. Life comes at you fast. And how are you going to take the bull by the horns and ride it to success? Advice for new members to TKE? Fight through that apathy. I think that's that's just the thing that I always focus on because that retention piece is such a big part of it. And it's not just retention of new members through their process. Retention of members as they go through their entire fraternity process, that three, four, five-year experience. Fight through it. Hold the guy accountable that's next to you. A lot of people do the whole look at the guy next to you on your left, on your right. uh, He might not be here by the end of it. Don't let that happen, right? Don't be a statistic. Fight to, to keep that retention rate high. At the end of the day, these are the guys that you want to see at your wedding, the guys that you want to stay involved with the rest of your life. Don't let that just be an ideology. Don't let that just be something that you hear. Again, those buzzwords. Make it happen. Hold them accountable. If guys will need to talk about things that are going on in their life, things that are going on through Pledge Ship, things that maybe they're not okay with, things that, that aren't going well academically in their, their home world, all these things, be there for those guys. Whatever it may be, fight through the apathy and the excuses. Look for ways for one another to succeed. I think that's the big part of it because at the end of the day, we, we talk about building this unity as a, as a new member group. What better way to do that than to listen to the guy next to you, fight for him, get him to that finish line, and then make even more years of experience that you're going to associate with your time in college. If you're a new member, ask questions. Ask a lot of questions, just like,
1: Zach, you know I have small children, and they are masters at asking (laughs) questions of why this and why that and well, why does this work that way. That's a great thing as you enter an organization. And the second layer of that in my opinion is don't shift your expectations if the group to your point if they sold you on abc they should be delivering abc and if your expectation is you're joining a group that's going to be a high level group continue to push and expect that from from folks and if once you get through the new member education process if that means you need to step into an officer role then you step into an officer role to get that where it needs to be do not allow obstacles to stop you from what you want to accomplish i know that's the message that you're pushing and I want to I just want to double down on it because it is critical if we want to get where we want to be as a fraternity as a whole is to have people who are constantly pushing and driving that excellence but ask those questions and and you'd be shocked and where the questions can lead you especially if you ask very thoughtful ones mm-hmm. and and who that could get you in front of and what opportunities that could could gain you as you as you move ahead for those hegemons as we wrap up it, it's critical to study how people build teams that's what essentially you're doing and to your point and the team is not just the new members right it's also the entire chapter and you can play a a role in bringing the chapter together through that new member education process i want to thank you for your time zach even more i want to thank you for your passion and your love and your drive i know folks are going to be able to hear it through this podcast and as someone who every day wakes up Running into fires, right? Running into groups that need help with recruitment, running into areas where maybe they've not had as much success in recruitment, but you're the guy who's going to come in and save them. You're the guy who's going to come in and rebuild it. And I know you do that every day with energy and love and a focus on building TKE to what it can be. So thank you for your commitment to TKE.
0: Absolutely. No, it's, it's an honor to be able to work in these offices, work with such a great team, and to be able to impact and, and meet new members all over the country. And it's just an awesome opportunity. Thank you.